Welcome to the program, Blessed Among Men and Women, with Father John Horgan, a program about the men and women the Holy Father has brought to the altar as blessed. And now, here's Father John Horgan. Welcome to Blessed Among Men and Women, a continuing series on the lives of new saints and blesseds who have been raised to the honors of the altar by Pope John Paul II. My name is Father John Horgan, and I am your host for this series. Today, I want to tell you the story of the life of Blessed Bernard Mary Silvestrelli. Blessed Bernard Mary was a member of the Passionist Order, founded by St. Paul of the Cross, in order to preach and promote the constant thought of the passion of Jesus Christ in the Church and the world. The Passionist Fathers, who live lives of great retirement from the world, also are known as popular preachers, preachers of Christ's passion, not only his sufferings, but his passionate love for the salvation of all people. The Passionist Order has given many saints to the Catholic Church, and Father Bernard Mary of Jesus is a great but as yet little known one of this number. He rose to the rank of superior general of the order, but his greatness lies not so much in his leadership of the community as in his discipleship of Christ Jesus. In that discipleship, all of us can imitate this great man and find in his example a stimulus to our life of prayer and our life of service of the truth. Bernard Silvestrelli was born at Rome on November 7, 1831. His father, John Thomas Silvestrelli, was a nobleman, and his mother, a Marchesa. Both were very rich, and yet very pious and charitable towards the poor. Their child was named Cesare, or Caesar, at baptism, and the waters of the baptismal font were poured over his head in the church of Santa Maria Sopra Minerva, the great Dominican church in Rome, where St. Catherine of Siena and Blessed Fra Angelico are both entombed. Young Caesar received his early education at home. His family tutor was a priest, and together with his two brothers and two sisters, he received an excellent education in all of the arts. Between 1840 and 1847, he conducted his studies at the noble Roman College, which had been founded by St. Ignatius of Loyola, at which many saints and other great persons received their education. He remained living with his family until about the age of 20, and under the guidance of two special tutors, cultivated also studies in music and in fine arts. But during the years that young Cesare lived with his family, there grew within his heart more and more the desire for a life of recollection and prayer. Every day he would leave the family house and without attending a Mass conducted in the family chapel, go to attend Mass in a small church called the Oratory of the Caravita, directed by the Jesuit Fathers. In this small church, just a few steps from the great church dedicated to St. Ignatius, young Cesare would attend Holy Mass and receive Holy Communion. After the death of his parents, the young man felt this desire for solitude and retirement from the world grow and increase day by day. It's possible that he first began to think about the Passionists at the time of their founder's beatification. In 1853, Paul of the Cross was named Blessed. Or perhaps it was later when, after a hunting expedition, he asked overnight hospitality together with his friend Count John Concelli 
from the Passionists in the Retreat of St. Eutizio near Soriano at Viterbo. At that time he was certainly struck by the austerity and penance of their life. The final push towards becoming a religious came to him at the deathbed of someone who was very dear to him. Cesare does not tell us in his notes who this person was, but it was likely his own father. Seeing him pass into eternity, suffering from certain pangs of conscience, made the young man decide to consecrate himself to the Lord as a victim of expiation. Certainly it was very shortly after the death of his father that Cesare left the world and entered the monastery of Saints John and Paul on the Chelian Hill in Rome, which is the generalate of the Passionist Fathers and the site of the tomb of Paul of the Cross. There he made a retreat to determine what was God's will in his regard. After having meditated, prayed, and conquered various temptations that assailed him, in early 1854 he decided to apply to the novitiate of the Passionists at Monte Argentario. In his farewell to his family members and friends, the gift that he made to each one of them was a small crucifix of ivory. Silvestrelli began his novitiate year with great enthusiasm and great joy, but due to various health problems, especially the delicacy of his stomach and digestion, he was forced to suspend the novitiate. Not wanting to return to the world, he asked and received permission to remain as a guest in that monastery as a secular cleric and to complete there his studies for the priesthood under the guidance of a bishop, a former missionary in Bulgaria, Bishop Joseph Molayani, who, after two years, conferred on him all the sacred orders. During the time that the young man lived in the monastery, he didn't have to follow all of the rules of life nor the diet of the other clerics, and so his health conditions improved. After his ordination to the priesthood, Father Silvestrelli asked once more to be admitted to the novitiate of the Congregation of the Passion of Jesus Christ. The superior of the Roman promise, except, province accepted willingly his request and sent him to the monastery of Our Lady of the Oak near Morovale to make his novitiate. There, on April 28, 1856, he was clothed in the Passionist habit and given the name of Father Bernard Mary of Jesus. After a few months, another novice joined him at Morovale. This young man, Francis Pocenti, was to become his great and dear friend, and would one day be known to the Church and the whole world as St. Gabriel of the Sorrowful Mother. Pocenti was not to live long, but in a few short years his spiritual growth was of such a nature that all of the members of the monasteries where he was assigned came to know him as a true son of Paul of the Cross and a true light in following the footsteps of Christ crucified. The master of their novitiate was Father Raphael of St. Anthony. This novice master, a very experienced and holy man, wrote of the young Father Bernard Mary, I find him to be making this transition in a wonderful way. In fact, he does wonders. The very fine qualities which are found in him give me a real hope that he will do great good for the congregation and he will repair some of the damage that others have done to her. 
It was in God's plan that Blessed Father Silvestrelli would not only repair some of the damage caused to the institution of the Passionists by certain of its members who had failed in their vocation, but that he would become the restorer, the reformer, almost the second founder of this great work. He prepared for the future by completing the studies that he had made at Monte Argentario and also by administering and directing some of the young students at the retreat, first at Macerata, then later at Moravalle. He exercised his priestly ministries also in the nearby chapels of the countryside, hearing the confessions of poor and illiterate people. After eight years of exemplary religious life, Father Bernard was elected Master of the Novitiate, which had been opened in Rome in 1865 at the retreat, or monastery, of the Holy Stairs, La Scala Sancta. He was recognized for his deep prudence and solid virtue. His commitment and duty was to educate the novices towards integrity of life, simplicity of spirit, and fidelity to their founder's charism. Two of those novices would become famous inside and beyond the congregation, Father Silvio of St. Bernard, who would later become Superior General, and Father Germano of St. Stanislaus, who would become the spiritual director of St. Gemma Golgani and an accomplished archaeologist rediscovering the house of the saintly martyrs John and Paul beneath the Chilean Basilica. In 1869, Father Silvestrelli was named rector of the convent or monastery of the Scala Sancta, a commitment which he kept until 1875 when he was elected as consultor of the province of the presentation with residence at Viterbo. On the eve of the taking of Rome by revolutionary troops in 1870, the aging Pope Pius IX wanted to visit one more time the Holy Stairs. These stairs, which are to be found in the church of La Scala Sancta, just across the street from St. John Lateran, were brought to Rome by the Empress Helena. They are the staircase that stood outside the palace of Pilate, and at these stairs Christ ascended on his way to be condemned for our sins. As a show of devotion, pilgrims ascend these stairs on their knees, kissing them and praying on each of the steps. Pius IX, who had a great devotion to the Passion of Christ and particularly to the Holy Stairs as an expression of Christ's passion and sorrow, arrived there late in the evening and by the light of torches, with the rector at his side, slowly ascended the staircase on his knees, asking the mercy of Christ upon the whole world and particularly upon Rome. When they reached the top of the stairs and had completed their prayer, the Pope who was known for his affection for Father Silvestrelli, but also for his wit, turned to him, nudging him slightly, and said, One saint and two devils. He was referring to the fact that two of Father Bernard's brothers were in fact soldiers among the liberal party that was ascending at the gates of Rome. It took only one celebration of the Mass for visitors to realize the holiness of Father Bernard Mary. When he said Mass, which customarily was at around four in the morning, he would go before the altar with the recollection of an angel, completely wrapped in the contemplation of God. In order to remain united with the Lord throughout the day, in addition to his office, 
he often recited the rosary, or the chaplet of the sorrowful mother, meditating upon the seven sorrows. From time to time, he would look up at some religious image and whisper some special ejaculatory prayer, but his favorite was simply to whisper, Paradise, Paradise. In 1878, Brother Silvestrelli took part in the general chapter of the congregation. Because of the influence that he already held and the esteem which he enjoyed, his brothers wished to elect him as superior general. In fact, he would be elected to this office three times successively. He renounced a first time, he renounced his office on November 18, 1888, 18 months before the new election, because he found himself so weakened in strength as well as beaten down in spirit. This was because of various difficulties that came to him in the congregation from priests who refused obedience to their lawful superiors. When he was about to be re-elected in 1893, he left the general chapter, hoping that his absence would convince his brethren not to elect him for a second time. While he was on a train about to arrive at the sanctuary of Our Lady of the Star in Perugia, he saw appear to him Gabriel of the Sorrowful Mother, the same Francis Pacenti who had been his companion in Novitiate. Gabriel commanded him, in the name of God, to return immediately to the chapter to which he had a right to participate. Struck by this apparition, Father Silvestrelli abandoned his plans and returned to Rome. He arrived shortly before the election that was to take place and name the new superior general. Much to the confusion of his confreres, who did not know even to what retreat he had headed, Father Silvestrelli appeared and quietly took his place. The chapter fathers offered him almost immediately the position of superior general, and he accepted without a word. Later, he confided to Father Norbert of St. Mary, another of his former superiors, what had happened on the train, concluding with a shake of his head, it was that boy who did this to me. Father Bernard finished his second term as superior general in 1907. He wrote a letter asking to resign, claiming that now he was too advanced in age and tormented by varicose veins and other sufferings to keep up with the role of general superior. St. Pius X wanted him to retain his role, given the holiness of his life, and said, the shadow of that holy old man would be enough to keep the whole congregation in respect. The Passionists indeed considered Father Bernard Mary to be a second St. Paul of the Cross. His faith was easily visible in the pure look of his eyes, in his slow and charming speech. Only his presence was sufficient to bring a spirit of recollection, to edify and invite others to a deep and intimate union with God. He was affable and grateful towards all, particularly those who rendered him any service whatsoever. He hated dishonesty or any form of lying. When he preached, though not being a great orator himself, he was always clear, concise, and most efficacious. When he talked, he was direct. When he dealt with people, he was loyal. Whenever he acted, 
he did so without any consideration for human respect. The special and predominant note of Blessed Bernard's life was his continuous longing for retreat and recollection, a desire for solitude so that he might contemplate the love of God and the passion of Christ. He was especially concerned with maintaining a holy silence in church and in those places of the monastery that were dedicated to study or to rest. We must say, too, that though Father Bernard had a special attraction for solitude and a recollected life, he also showed great gifts of intuition and also experience in governing. He intuited rapidly the needs of any moment, almost with a glance. He knew how to weigh the souls of men and their talents and weaknesses. His manner of correcting was gentle but decisive. There were those who criticized him, those who opposed him, but he never complained of these things, nor allowed himself to be overtaken by discouragement. He limited himself to joining his hands together as if in prayer, raising his eyes to heaven and exclaiming, God has permitted them to do this. May his holy will be done. He used to say to his religious in the course of the various exhortations and conferences which he made to them, either in church or in choir, to be saved and to become holy, we have to pass through fire and water. In the processes for his canonization, various Passionist Fathers gave testimony of him saying, his religious life was for us a kind of living rule. Both day and night, he would attend always punctually every act of the common life. He abstained strictly from anything that would be singular or unusual. When his relatives, who were noble and rich, went to visit him, he spoke with them briefly and kindly, but never tried to prolong their visits. While being himself of a very rich family, Father Bernard was very diligent in the use of money and careful with all donations that had been presented to the community. From time to time, he would hand the porter at the monastery of Saints John and Paul a handful of change so that he would never be without something to give to the beggars who came to the door. With the permission of the Holy See, Father Bernard was able to use some of his inheritance to build and restore Passionist monasteries, to sustain orphanages, to pay debts for poor students, to make a sign monthly stipends to families who had fallen into misfortune, and dowries to young women who wished to become nuns. To the directors of students and student houses who would often come to him asking for more money for expenditures, he would smile amiably and say, send me your litany, the list of what they wanted. It was enough for them to do this, to see all the books, sacred objects, clothing, medicines, paper, and other things arrive. One witness in the canonical processes observed of him, as a superior general, he was commonly called the mother, the mamma of the congregation. On all the great feast days, it seemed that to his religious he could not give any other small gift than a little crucifix, because he wanted to remind them that every good thing that they possessed came to them through the death of Jesus on the cross. 
In all of the religious houses and monasteries, he made sure that large crucifixes were available in all the common rooms in order to recall the religious to the passion of Christ and to their discipleship of that passionate love. As Father Bernard aged, he took on an aspect of even greater nobility, a nobility that was not caused simply by his features, but rather by the tranquil look with which he always gazed interiorly upon God. This deep faith gave him a tremendous esteem in the eyes of Pope Leo XIII and Pius X. Three times he was offered the dignity of a cardinal's red hat, but he refused it because he felt unworthy. To Prince Outruspoli, a friend of Pope Pius X, who spoke to him one day about another request to become cardinal, Father Silvestrelli gave this message. Tell the Holy Father that if he sends me a red hat, I'll hang it on a nail on the wall. After his ultimate renunciation of the generalate because of his old age in 1907, Father Silvestrelli went to prepare himself for a holy death, first at the monastery of Reconati and then at St. Eutetius. In his illnesses, he was never heard to complain because he bore everything with great calm and conformity to the will of God. In the course of severe pain, he would only say, we have to pull the load the Lord has given us. And his one complaint seemed to be, death doesn't want me. Brother Dominic of the Crucified, who in the month of May of 1911 accompanied Father Bernard in a carriage to the railway station at Orte, on his way to the Morricone retreat, gave this testimony in the process of beatification. Along the way, the father began to speak to me of how near his death was, and trying to distract him from these sad thoughts, which I thought were the effects of melancholy, had no result. So Father Bernard said to me, This isn't melancholy, my son. It's the truth. There, there, at Mont Morricone, very soon I will die after a fall. In fact, this must have been some kind of presentiment from God of his own death. On December 9th, in that same year, while he was about to ascend a staircase after recreation in the afternoon after the midday meal, he fell backward and fractured his skull. He had time only to cry out once, Oh, my Jesus! Immediately, the holy oils were administered to him, but after about forty minutes he died serenely without ever having regained consciousness. He had prayed very often for the grace of his illness being brief so that he would not be a burden to his confreres, and his prayer had been heard. Since 1932, the mortal remains of Father Bernard Mary of Jesus, which were discovered completely incorrupt and intact, are venerated at Morricone in the Church of the Passionist Fathers. Pope John Paul II recognized Father Silvestrelli as being heroic in virtue and granted him the title of Venerable on October 18, 1983. And five years later, on October 16th, the anniversary, the 10th anniversary of his own election to the Chair of Peter, Pope John Paul II declared him blessed, together with Father Charles of St. Andrew, a Dutch passionist who had spent most of his life working in Ireland. Father Bernard Mary is a reminder to us
of the faithfulness that we must exercise in practicing virtue, especially in our old age, and of the need that we have to be ever prepared by a constant and passionate love of the Lord for his call whenever it may come to us. Let us ask that this holy man continue to watch over the order which was entrusted to him for so long, and that he will continue to inspire many men and women to dedicate themselves to the service of Christ in his passion. Let us pray, too, that all of us, lay people and religious, young and old, consecrated and priests, might come to meditate ever more fruitfully on the passion of Jesus Christ, so that inspired by the great love of our Lord, we might be the signs of his salvation in the world and realize in our own lives the fruits of his redemption. Through the intercession of Blessed Bernard Mary of Jesus, may the Almighty and merciful God bless and protect each one of you and keep alive in your hearts the memory of the passion of Jesus. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come upon you all and remain with you forever. Thank you for listening today to the program Blessed Among Men and Women with your host, Father John Horkin.